O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, for the courts of the Lord. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy court is better than a thousand elsewhere. The Old Testament lesson for the fourteenth Sunday after Trinity is written in the fourth chapter of Proverbs, beginning at the tenth verse. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom, I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction, let her not go, keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light, that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness, they know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the fifth chapter of Galatians, beginning at the sixth verse. Brothers, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, that you may not do the things that you desire. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are obvious, which are adultery, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustfulness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, rivalries, divisions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, of which I forewarn you even as I also forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning, and thy faithfulness every night. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. 
Alleluia, praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. As Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along the borders of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered into a certain village, ten men who were lepers met him, who stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered, Weren't the ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there none found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go your way. Your faith has healed you. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. We often talk of the challenging times we live in, in a post-Christian world, and that's true. But we also shouldn't forget that there are amazing parts to these times. For instance, in our times, who hasn't benefited from the marvel of modern medicine, where research and breakthroughs have healed us mentally and physically, so we can live and function where hundreds of years ago people would have died or just lived suffering. Likewise, we live in the information age. Technology is so powerful that in your pocket is a phone that has more computing power than what they had when they landed a man on the moon. And that technology offers information in seconds. You can get information now that would, would have taken generations before a lifetime to search for and learn. In a moment, you can look up how-to YouTube videos. You can look up college-level courses that are free on any topic. You, and if you need a book on a subject, you can have it in two days. Just click on Amazon. And that is just a bit of the technology that we have. It really is amazing. And it leads us to ask, it leads everyone to ask, what can mankind not learn? What can mankind not do? There's a reason why man is obsessed with science and technology and STEM classes. Because there's so much that we can do with it. And that's our age today. Compare our age with the age of the gospel 2,000 years ago, where it says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. 2,000 years ago. That age to us seems primitive. Because back then, most were illiterate, few traveled, few were educated, medicine was in its infancy, 
Many people died at much younger ages. More children died in childbirth. More mothers died in childbirth back then. And for you farmers, well, back then, let's just say they were far away from having self-driving GPS tractors. But still, as primitive as it feels to us, that was an amazing time to them. And many in Judah recognized that it was an amazing time when they were alive because they had Jesus among them. And his reputation for teaching and healing had spread far. And as our gospel shows today, he couldn't even enter a small village without people yelling at him. That's what our gospel says. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Today we hear leprosy. It's not really a big deal because if you have it, which few ever do get it, you go to the hospital, you get healed, and it's gone. The disease itself is nearly extinct. But back then it was incurable, and it could spread really easily. They had to live in their own colonies, those with leprosy. And it was often a horrible death sentence for those who received it. So these ten lepers knew that they pretty much had a death sentence. They knew their mortality and frailty. They prayed and cried the Kyrie, knowing that the only way to live was to totally depend on this healer. So our Lord hears them, and he has mercy. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So in divine mercy, our Lord tells the ten to follow the Old Testament law, which is this. If you were healed of leprosy, which rarely happened, but every so often could happen, if you were healed from leprosy, you'd show yourself to a priest and you'd officially be declared clean and you could join society and re-enter the temple. So the ten, they heard Jesus' words, they listened, and they were healed on the way. And so to follow and fulfill the law, they then had to go to a priest. That's the story so far. The divine mercy here is really incredible and awesome because no one really was healed of leprosy. And that it just happened on the way is mind-blowing for people back then. And it's such a miracle that that's why this story is told. It's why in their age they thought they lived in an amazing time because of what Jesus was doing. But the law that they were told to follow, that wasn't a surprising law. That was really ordinary. However, given how extraordinary this healing is, we really have to ask, these ten, what were they thinking when they noticed that they were healed? What did they think about themselves? What did they think about this healing? What did they think about God when they saw their skin go from white pale, white, normal. That's kind of like asking about things today. What do we think about ourselves? What do we think about medicine and technology when we get healed or when we look for information? What do we think about God with all of this? Back then it was a miracle. The miracle itself was incredible. Today our healing comes from science and technology, but as different as those situations are, 
between people back then and today, as different as these two ages are, it's really the same question. What do we think about these things? What did they think about these things? And so that's where the gospel goes on to answer these questions. It says, Then one of them, one of the ten, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. So of these ten, we have two groups. The nine, which kept going to the temple to fulfill the law, and the one who came back to worship our Lord. What's the difference between the two groups? Well, let's start with the nine. Let's look at them. What do they think about themselves, this healing, about God? Well, we know that they cried out to our Lord for healing and that he answered. They know he healed them. But you have to ask, who do they think is responsible for them being healed? Well, notice what they're doing here. They go on their way to the temple. They are focusing on fulfilling the law for themselves. Their focus was never then on the healer. Their focus was never on Jesus. Their focus was on their own work and themselves. Yes, our Lord healed them. But they think it was their praying the Kyrie which earned the healing from him. They don't believe that healing was out of divine mercy. Not really, not true mercy. They see it more as the divine obligation being given to them for their work of prayer. So they then go to the temple with their focus and trust on themselves fulfilling the law. So yes, our Lord told them to go to the priests. But they go because they think if they can fulfill the law even more, then they can not only earn their own healing, they can earn eternal life. To them, they got what they needed from our Lord. They received this one-time blessing that was owed to them so that they, they could go on, fulfill the law, and get theirs on their own. If you were here last week, they're really no different than the priest and Levite from the story of the Good Samaritan. They're simply Jews focused on fulfilling the law for themselves. So that's the nine. Now here's the one. Here's the thankful Samaritan. What does he think about himself and this healing and God? We see the answer in his actions too. As he's healed, he returns to our Lord. He praises and thanks God. He worships our Lord as he kneels face on the ground. He's praying to our Lord. That's what he's doing when he's worshiping to our Lord. He's praying to him. If you want to know what he's praying to our Lord, our collect does a marvelous job of capturing it. If you look at the collect, look what we prayed. As if he was taking the words himself and saying, Lord, because of my frailty and mortality, all I can do is follow, all I can do on my own is fall away. Without you, all I can do is fall away because I'm frail. So he prays the Kyrie and he prays this prayer that we have in the collect, showing that he doesn't see these prayers as his own works. He doesn't see these prayers as a way of earning anything from God. Rather, these prayers are a confession to God that he is a sinner who on his own has no life in him. He prayed the Kyrie 
to confess his sins, to confess that without the Lord's mercy in healing, he would die physically. Then he prays this prayer, worshiping our Lord. And as he does so, he confesses that he will die spiritually if the Lord isn't with him all the time. He's praying that if this healing, this miracle is a one-time thing, he will fall away. So he prays to our Lord here for perpetual grace, perpetual mercy, being showered on him all the time. That's what he wants. And in our collect, we pray mercy, but that's a poor translation. The original says perpetual propitiation. We pray for our Lord's perpetual, in other words, we pray for our Lord's perpetual atonement. It's more than mercy. We are praying for our Lord's continual, perpetual atonement. That is, this Samaritan was, this Samaritan was confessing our Lord was more than just a healer. He's confessing that our Lord is the Christ who is his Savior. Our Lord is the one who atones for his sins. Our Lord is the one who reconciles him, a sinner, to the Holy Father. He knows he couldn't fulfill the law by himself, the Samaritan. He knows that on his own he would just die. So he prays for Christ's perpetual atonement. So the Father would mercifully accept him in Christ. He needs Christ all the time. That's what he's praying for. And so our, our, the Samaritan shows that if our Lord removes his mercy for even a moment, if the Lord removes his atonement for even a second, what this man is confessing is that he is so weak, he would fall away instantly. He would die instantly. That's what he's praying as he prays the words of our collect, he keeps going. It's him that is praying, keep me ever by your help from all things hurtful and lead me to all things profitable for my salvation. This man is now healed. But he still, but he still feels in himself the war in his members. He still feels in himself the war between the spirit and his flesh. And so he's praying to our Lord for perpetual atonement and in that protection from all things hurtful. In other words, he's praying that the Spirit would protect him, remain in him, fight his flesh, that the Spirit would have his way, win that war. He is praying to remain in the Lord's perpetual mercy. He's no longer desiring to earn life from the law by himself. Instead, he's praying for protection and life in the gospel. He's confessing that Jesus has done all of it for him. That it's Jesus alone who made him righteous and reconciled to the Father that makes him live. Then our Lord tells him to get up. The man prays all this and the Lord tells him to get up. And do you know what this man does when he gets up? The text doesn't tell us, but we know. He gets up, he goes to the temple, he shows himself to the priest with the other nine. But he's different. Not because, he does this not because he's trying to earn his salvation. He does this because he's been loved by God. He's been atoned for by the Son, continually being atoned for by the Son. He's been reconciled to the Father and the Spirit. And now, because of that, he loves God and he wants to do what his Lord tells him to do. So he goes in thankfulness. 
He goes and praises Christ. Then, following Christ's words, he goes to the priest because he's thankful. That's what he does. That's the nine, and that's the one. Now, what about us in our age? What do we think about ourselves, about this medicine and technology, about God? Our flesh is like the nine. Our flesh lo loves to look at history, loves to learn about the advances of science and technology, loves to be in those things and think, mankind did this, mankind earned this, we earned this. And so we'll do things like go to the hospital, we'll go there for everything from a small cut to cancer. We'll pay the copay with money that we earned. We'll show the insurance card from the work that we have done, that we've earned. We go and we get the care that we believe that we've bought and paid for and earned ourselves. And if we leave the hospital healed, we go and show others that we're healthy, and then we think nothing more of it. After all, our flesh thinks we earned the healing. Or likewise, we desire to learn. We desire to learn either for a job or for education or just out of curiosity. So we go and acquire knowledge. Maybe we look it up on our phone. Maybe we go to trade school or go to years and years of college and post-grad. And then after we've acquired the knowledge, we'll put away the phone, we'll show off to our friends. Maybe we'll get a job, but we'll definitely hang that degree on our wall. And we think nothing more of it. Again, because our flesh thinks that we've earned it. That we have only ourselves to thank for all that we have. Now maybe at times our flesh will think that God provided a path to it all. That he gave us a one-time blessing of health or brains or money. But then our flesh will think that God did that because we earned it by praying for it. Like the nine did. Now, once we've earned that from God, then we can earn everything else on our own, even life immortal. Because we're a good person, right? We've earned it. So like the nine, our flesh, after it's healed or educated, it walks away from God thinking that we need nothing more from Him and that it can keep itself from falling because we've risen so far. And do you know what our Lord says to this? He says, were not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? That is, I, the Son of God, healed them. Now where is their faith? They will fall without me. Without God, what do you think the flesh of the nine led them to do after this story? Where would we be led without God? Well, Paul tells us in the epistle. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, even with that one-time healing miracle, even with a one-time gift from God's providence, even with all the science and technology given to us by God in that providence, still, if we leave Him even for a moment, we are so frail, we'd fall into sin and death. Look at what we do with all this medicine and technology. 
we fall right back into sin and death with all of it. No work of man can strengthen our frailty or conquer our mortality. And that's what he says to the nine. That's what he says to our flesh. But notice what he says to the Samaritan. Rise and go your way. That is, depart in peace. Your faith has made you well. Those who try to keep their life will lose it. But to those like the Samaritan, those who came here today to confess your sin and mortality and frailty, those who came here today and repented, those who prayed this collect knowing that you need God's perpetual atonement from the cross, those who hear the word of God and respond in praise like the Samaritan, those who come to kneel before the flesh and blood of Christ before they partake of it in the supper, for those who come to lose their life of leprous sinful flesh for Christ's sake, well then in this word and at this altar you will find your life. Take, eat, take, take, drink. In the body of Christ you will not fall. But here at the altar in your baptism is the atonement. Everything for your salvation is here. Christ answering your prayer. And as Christ tells us to rise and depart in peace, what, we, what will we do as we leave this altar today? will do as the Samaritan did. Having been loved by God and saved in Christ, we desire to do what our Lord tells us. We desire to follow the law. And Christ puts it this way, we will be zealous for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how we leave this altar. And may that be so. So then let us come and eat this supper let us receive the flesh and blood of mercy because here at this altar your faith will make you well. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all things keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
risk upon thee to deliver me when didst humble thyself to be born of a virgin when thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Keep, we beseech you, O Lord, your church with your perpetual mercy. And because the frailty of man without you cannot but fall, keep us ever by your help from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. 
Most heartily, we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, Remember not the sins of our youth, nor our many transgressions. But out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power, and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. 
Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen. Music